today on Doomed. Uh, Steven Crowder. How did a PBS animated show voice actor turn into uh, one of the uh, biggest a-holes on YouTube? Tonight on Doomed, we will be going through the various ways that this conservative, uh, self-proclaimed comedian has gamed YouTube's policies, and by gamed, I mean taken advantage of, and also uh, how YouTube's policies are flawed, but maybe purposefully, too. You know, I think it's a little bit of a give and take here. It's a, it's a team, tag team effort between Steven Crowder and YouTube, and joining me to discuss this all, first let me bring us up on the screen here, so you can see us for this episode, is, here we go, Jason Campbell, Senior Researcher for Media Matters. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Now, Jason, you put together, well, Media Matters, but I, I assume you have played a role in it, uh, put together this timeline. Oh, actually, you, you put together this timeline. Uh, this is your uh, piece. You put together this timeline of... Uh, Basically, YouTube's history of rewarding Steven Crowder. And I've been covering the most recent uh, strikes, YouTube strikes. And we'll get into what all this means for people who don't quite know in a little bit. But I've covered Steven Crowder's most recent strikes. And when I saw basically uh, what he does, how he basically breaks their rules, and then you know, gets a little slap on the wrist, waits a little bit, breaks the rules again, gets a, a slightly harder slap on the wrist, but then, of course, it all works out in the end. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it kind of is amazing because when people see, like, oh, you know, you get two, uh, you get three, excuse me, three YouTube strikes, you're supposedly permanently banned from the YouTube platform. Steven Crowder has received much more than three strikes, but he is not banned from the platform. And in fact, it, he's working well within YouTube's rules. It's not like, you know, he's found like some, some way to sneak onto YouTube and they don't know. Um, they're well aware he's on there. And we'll get into all that shortly. But first, why don't you tell us, who is Steven Crowder? Well, one of YouTube's most predominant a-holes, I thought was a great way of putting it. <laughs> um, I, Steven Crowder is, yeah, a self-described comedian. Um, I personally don't like using that term for him because I don't think he's funny. Um, course, right. And that's a prerequisite to being a comedian. Um, you know, he's... There he's wouldn't a, be a conservative co comedy industry, though, if that was the prerequisite, yeah, you know? That's, that's true, exactly. Um, no, Steven Crowder at his basic is just a, you know, conspiracy theorist and a hate monger. It's really as simple as that. He is um, everyone's high school bully um, in a, you know, mid-30s-year-old man with a very large YouTube following. That's all he is. Right. And, you know, it, it's a, it, what's interesting to me is this is a guy who uh, had somewhat of a, of a career before he went down this path. He was a voice actor on the hit PBS animated series, Arthur. Um, I forget who he played. Do you remember? Was it the, was it the it rabbit? Was, yeah, it was. And I, his character name I'm forgetting right now, but I was a big Arthur fan as a kid, actually. And, and uh, you know, if you would have told me that I would be working with that same voice actor again, you know, 20 years later, I'd be a little surprised. Uh, oh, but was, here we are. He was the brain. 
That's right. That's right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, he did that, and he, you know, sort of failed acting as a, you know, a, a totally uncommon avenue into um, conservative hate mongering. Um, but that is Stevens, and um, then after that, he sort of just turned into a. Um, you know, early YouTuber, then radio person. He had a stint at Fox News for a while until he eventually didn't get his contract renewed for not being very funny, according to a Fox News executive. And he's just sort of sort of consistently failed upward the scale. And that's right. where he is right now. Right. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, when he sort of rose to prominence on his own, when he went to that union protest in Wisconsin yeah. during like the uh, the anti, oh, what was it? Anti-Governor Walker that uh, that that ri- that uprising of union workers mm. against uh, Scott, Scott Walker in Wisconsin, and um, or was it in Michigan? I forget which event he was at, but he went to a union protest, mm-hmm. and um, he got decked by like a union guy, like this, like you know, I, I bet if uh, you know if you did not know who Crowder was and you showed a, a MAGA crowd. Uh, the guy who punched Steven Crowder, they would assume this guy's got to be one of ours. He's got like the big mustache, like a working class type looking guy, like the cliche of what like, you know, they view as like a real working class guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decked Crowder and they got into a little scuffle. Uh, Steve Crowder ran away, but that clip went viral. And, you know, yeah. any I feel like in, if you were in any other industry. You would that would make you look so foolish. You would be laughed out of whatever you were trying to do. But that I like just I guess the conservative media industry were able to spin it as uh, like a crowd are brave enough to uh, to withstand this this disgusting you know democratic masses over here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I've been studying conservatism for a long time now, and um, at its basic core. Grievance and resentment is the heart and soul of contemporary conservative movement right now. And any example to be used to show that is very marketable. And that was one for Steven Crowder's example. It was just this week. He references it very frequently on his show still. I mean, that was in 2012, I believe. So it's not like it was a recent occurrence. And, um, you know, it still played up as as a huge example in his life. Right. And, you know, like you mentioned, too. I, I I struggle to think of a conservative commentator, at least under the age of, I don't know, uh, 55, uh, that that didn't land in this world because they failed at their actual aspirations, whether it be a famous writer, a screenplay writer, a TV actor, a film actor. You know, so many of them had Hollywood dreams that just, you know, didn't pan out, and so they become uh, disgruntled and blame the liberal uh, Hollywood for ruining their their dreams. And how you know, I guess they were just too talented for those liberals in Hollywood anyway. I mean, if I wanted to throw a Freudian hat on it, I could say like you know they're you know channeling their own personal resentment out at at the people they feel are putting them down. But I mean, this really is so much of you know whether it's critical race theory or you know trans people using bathrooms or any number of issues right now. There's a pulsating heart of grievance that just courses through every issue that conservatives latch onto, and the conservative media ecosphere is basically just a large Ponzi scheme for perpetually pushing grievances on their viewers. Right. I mean, I'm surprised that every single one of them doesn't have a line of NFTs right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
So Crowder ends up actually becoming, I guess, a, 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 a screen uh, actor in his own right via his YouTube channel, uh, Louder with Crowder. And this this channel is, I mean, it, it, it's blown up. I mean, it is, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you probably know better than I do uh, off the cuff here. Um, it is the largest independent political channel on YouTube. I mean, as far as I know, I think it might even be bigger than uh, I, I like the Young Turks. I, I would believe so. Yeah, he has over 5.5 million subscribers on YouTube. And um, I mean, that's a remarkable feat by itself. You know, there is no doubt that Steven Crowder's show markets very well to a certain segment of people who use YouTube. You know, people who are younger, generally male, and um, overwhelmingly white, I would presume, who just build into this um, shtick that he puts up and finds it very, um, in a very marketable base. What, what do you think is it about Crowder that connects with that younger YouTube type base more so than any of the other conservative uh, talking heads? Like, you know, he, he, he certainly, I mean, I don't know who's more successful in terms of like monetary, like financials, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro, uh, Tim Pool, uh, Steven Crowder. Uh, I almost said Joe Rogan, but we know Joe Rogan is easily the, the, the richest there. Um, but out of like the actual like straight up conservative talkers, um, you know, I, I, but he is clearly the one who is connected with that specific online audience more so than like a Shapiro or a pool. And that's the, you know, and they're really popular in their own right. You know? So what do, what do you think is it about crowd? Do you think it is like the, the, the labeling of himself of a, as a comedian shtick, you know, and, and that he pretends he doesn't take it seriously? I think that what Steven Crowder's largest appeal is to people is to say that all of those bullying instincts that you may have inside of you are warranted and justified. And it's okay to express that. It's okay to feel um, hatred and dislike towards other people for who they are, whether they're trans, whether they're overweight. You know, fat shaming is a very common thing that he does on a show. He did a huge segment on it today, for example. Um, any number of various issues that it is okay to be a high school bully that treats people um, badly because you can and says that you should feel powerful for doing it. That's the largest message I get from the show consistently. And it's one of the reasons that I find that, you know, I, a lot of conservative people push, you know, horrible talking points. A lot of conservative media personalities push talking points that, you know, I just think are wrong, but you know, they're not wicked or something like that. Steven Crowder endorses negative feelings that you might have and impulses you might have inside of you as a person. And there's a lot of empowerment to that, I think, for someone who might want to say, you know, I'm okay. I'm right for feeling the way I am about any number of different people. Right. Now, let, let's get into uh, Crowder's uh, history of breaking YouTube policy. Now, I guess I, I looked at this timeline and I was actually a little bit surprised that it didn't start earlier. But I, I guess YouTube, I mean, when you think about it, what, when did Alex Jones get booted off? And I think there was no one, uh, you know, more uh, obviously breaking a, a, any sort of policy YouTube had at the time than him. And that was only what, in like uh, late 2017? No, 2018. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, actual policies that really affected these uh, guys didn't really 
come into effect, I guess, until really where your your timeline seems to begin. I mean, I guess he got a, a, a good year uh, head start to uh, not get in trouble, but your timeline starts in June 2019. Yes, yeah, so uh, June 2019 um, was when uh, Carlos Maza, who was working at Vox at the time and used to work at Media Matters, um, did a very effective job of pointing out just what a bully Steven Crowder is. He was very cruel to Carlos on the show personally. And, um, you know, it became a big enough issue that YouTube was sort of boxed into having to respond to it. And their response to it was to demonetize Crowder's account, but they did not suspend him for it. Um, the demonetization ended up being temporary because in a little more than a year later, he's back to, you know, being monetized again. That didn't stick. Um, but nonetheless, it showed that they were sort of willing to um, give him some leeway and the type of action that he was able to do on his own show. Right. And then there was that, that, um, that, so when he got, de he got demonetized at first and then he was remonetized. Yes. And we are now in, uh, a, the period where, uh, what, what was the, the act that got him permanently demonetized? Because some people might not know this, but, uh, Crowder actually cannot monetize his YouTube channel anymore permanently like that is actually one uh repercussion of breaking youtube's policies over and over and over and over again that youtube has actually permanently stuck with Crowder. they are not paying him for any ads that show on his uh youtube channel uh he cannot uh accept super chats he cannot which is uh for people who don't know one-off payments you can give in live streams to basically highlight your comment and support the creator he can't uh, create paid YouTube subscriptions, which they call the memberships. He practically can only use YouTube as the tool to get his message out, and then he has to basically funnel his viewers into off-platform ways where they can then subscribe to him or pay him in some way. <clears throat> yes, that's correct. So that happened in March. Um, of 2021, when the the at least indefinite you know monetization happened, it hasn't come back since. So we hope it's permanent. Um, and YouTube cited spreading COVID misinformation for that. Unfortunately, with a lot of these things, we have to just rely on what Crowder says because the messages are going to him from YouTube. And um, though there is some reporting like you had about independently reaching out to YouTube about it. Um, a lot of the information we have to derive just comes from what he provides. So according to YouTube, issued by Crowder, um, they cited COVID misinformation as the reason to give him a first strike of the year and also indefinitely demonetize his account. Right. And I, I recall, this might be before he was permanently demonetized, but I recall, I mean, there's a few specific instances we'll discuss to really hone in on just how this guy uh, put stuff out there that clearly under YouTube's own policies should uh, result in uh, a, a repercussions that uh, more permanent than what he's received. There was that that uh, that super racist rant he went on about black farmers in yeah. uh, I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. It was around the same time as this first. Um, I, I think it was even like within two weeks prior, if I'm getting my exact dates down. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, I watch Stephen Crowder show every single day and condolences. Race, 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's it's definitely prematurely aging me. Um, and you know, incredibly racist things. I mean, that's just par for the course from him. But this one even stood out to me as just being like shockingly racist. Um, YouTube apparently decided that it wasn't at least enough to warrant a suspension because they did not give him one for that. But they gave him a strike for COVID misinformation, like I think like two weeks later. So, you know, whether or not that has to do with I don't know, YouTube trying to parse between, you know, their previous decision and then needing to have some kind of a reaction. I don't know. That's just speculation. Um, but it does clearly show that they, and it's a tendency that pans out throughout the whole rest of the year and all of the strikes that he accrues, that it seems kind of arbitrary what YouTube just decides they're going to put a suspension in for. Um, I mean, I see content daily that by any normal standards, Crowder should get a strike for. Like, it's just repetitive constantly. And he doesn't. And then they'll strike him for something. And honestly, when I see that strike come in, I'm like, that was the thing that you did it. Like, it could have done it for all these other things. Right. But that's the one they could choose. So. Well, one, one specific segment still sticks with me. I mean, there's a few that I could probably, if I really think, will come back to me right away. But one that is just, like, always on the tip of my mind and he didn't even like there there was no punishment for this and you know what if this is their policy then it, it, and they don't find anything wrong with this type of content then that's fine but clearly they their own policies say differently when he reenacted what happened to George Floyd yeah. uh with someone putting the full force of their knee and their entire body on the back of Floyd's neck. Well, Crowder obviously uh, reenacted that to show how, I guess, how tough he was or how it was impossible that this could have been. Oh, right. It was it was his way of saying there's no way uh, this could have killed Floyd. Floyd yeah. was going to die anyway because he was a drug addict hopped up on like fentanyl. I think it was. That was his whole point. Yeah. Yes. No, exactly. Yeah. I remember watching that and just being in kind of shock about it. I mean, you lose the capacity to feel shock anymore after a while with him. Um, but yes, no, stuff like that happens all the time on his show. Now, let's, let's go to, wait, hold on, here's a secondary channel. This I actually, um, I mean, I knew it existed, but I hadn't been following anything on the secondary channel. Uh, but it's in your timeline. He has a second channel that I guess cuts clips out of the, the longer live stream and like, you know, a lot of channels do that. I do that on this channel, mm -hmm. you know, because there are people who love sitting around for two, three hours and there's people who only uh, will watch a clip if it's under like 10 minutes long. So I get mm -hmm. that. Um, but this channel, uh, what's the status of this channel? What did it do? And is it still even a thing? Yeah, so you're right. Basically, what it does is called um, it's a channel called Crowder Bits, and and it's basically just yeah, exactly clips from the show that he puts up. Um, one interesting part about it was when the first strike came through in March of uh, 2021, he immediately announced um, on Instagram, I think, uh, that he was planning to evade the ban by broadcasting on Crowder Bits, um, and. That was the only time during all the suspensions I ever heard him use that as a possibility. And since then, I never saw him actually appropriate that channel as a full streaming platform. It seems to be when suspensions comes in, he follows them. Um, maybe because he's worried about actually getting banned. I don't really know. Um, but there are times where it's like one of the strikes that he gets, you know, the Louder with Crowder channel will be suspended for two weeks and the Crowder Bits channel will be suspended for one week or something like that. And so 
from its current status, from all I know, is that they still post content. I saw some come through today, and it's still active along with this main account. Now, people have to understand that according to YouTube's policies, if one of your channels gets a strike, which leads to one, well, I guess we should leave this out here now. Uh, we'll get further into the details of YouTube st- uh, policies in a, in a little bit. But one strike on YouTube equals a week suspension. Two strikes equals two weeks suspension. Three strikes, permanent ban. Now, during the time after a strike number one and a strike number two, YouTube specifically says, because early on this would be the workaround, they've closed that loophole, saying that you cannot go on YouTube and use your secondary account if your other account has a suspension. They, they've changed the wording to say the suspension is on the user themselves and not on like that specific channel. So technically, if Crowder Bits gets a strike and they are suspended for a week, Crowder is not eligible to use his main Louder with Crowder channel for that week as well. Yes, yeah, I, I believe that's correct. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to point that out because I don't know if he's ever tried anything about that, but I know he's definitely um, been very careful as to not get that third strike. Um, and I think the most obvious was this past, well, this, the end of this past year. Um, Crowder's always had a thing uh, where he really hates transgender people. Uh, and it's been one of his long standing, I mean, really, I think more so than, I mean, if, if I, if you thought the, uh, the racist bits I mentioned to you earlier, I mean, that technically might even be like not even his worst when compared to like how often he goes on these, uh, long ranting segments on trans people. And YouTube has very specific rules when it comes to uh, attacks on the LGBTQ community. Um, And the first one uh, that you mentioned, in fact, I think you sourced uh, an article I wrote and I covered it on this show. Um, He did a segment where he sourced a anti-trans turf group uh, who claimed that there was a, um, a rise in women in prisons in California being raped by transgender people because of a California law that uh, basically allows uh, trans people to go into a, you know, if a trans inmate can request to be moved to a prison that reflects their gender identity. Um, It's a long process. It's not as simple as just saying... uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I, I, you know, if, if uh, 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 inmates in a men's prison, they can't just go, uh, I'm a woman, I want to go into a woman's prison. There's actually like a long process with reviews and such. Uh, there's only been a handful of people actually uh, moved under this law. And he basically sorts this anti-turf group saying that uh, one of the uh, cis women in this prison was raped by a trans woman and was impregnated by them. And it later came out that this turf group was completely uh, bullshitting. Uh, they even admitted it when later recalling their own details that, you know, they just heard this through the grapevine or were just detailing something that could happen. Uh, I had reached out to the uh, local, the, the, basically the, the, uh, the uh, 
uh, corrections facility in California, and they gave me the full-on stats of the trans inmates and where they are in each prison. And you know, basically, they said this specific case does not exist. It, it, I mean, and listen, I understand there's issues with turf organizations and issues with how you can believe in a, a, a corrections uh, officer, a facil- uh, you know, uh, uh, organiza- uh, facility. Uh, but uh, if uh, an inmate is impregnated, we'll know eventually if that's true or not. I mean, uh, there's going to be a result from that. And clearly that wasn't the case. Um, and he got sus- uh, suspended for a week for that one. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the, in terms of the point that you brought up first was, was perfect. I mean, it, at this point, you know, you kind of like when you're talking about the horrible things that Steven Crowder says and does, you're kind of really parsing within mud for it. Um, but I would agree with you that that uh, he seems to reserve like the greatest level of vitriolic hatred towards trans people, which is not, by the way, totally uncommon to him. I mean, um, the content that you see, the anti-trans content you see in conservative media these days is, is really quite astounding. It reminds me of content that you would see, you know, hate speech you would see against gay people in the 1950s. It's really shocking. Um, and they do because they get away with it. And that seems to be acceptable to their audiences. And it's horrifying. And um, Crowder really exploits it. And uh, it's interesting, out of the four strikes that he received in 2021, uh, two of them were just for anti-LGBT content. Um, one of them was for the COVID information, as I mentioned earlier, and then one of them was for for online harassment and bullying. Um, so even YouTube recognizes this is sort of a persistent problem that he has. And um, you can watch his show you know, daily, and you, it's not totally uncommon for him to still say that women you know, are being raped by trans people in California prisons. So, Something's not true. It doesn't really matter on the show. He still says it as if it is. Right. And I love the idea. This is a little bit of a tangent here, but I just want to throw this out there. I love the idea that uh, – it's not even an idea. I love the fact that uh, the uh, only time you can find content from conservatives who worry about the uh, sexual assaults happening in prison, among the prison population, is in these, like – rare rare instances of like transgender people being the perpetrators of this and remember the uh prison population is largely male and a very very small portion of that population is um transgender and you know they they even will make uh prison rape jokes all the time to show you how seriously oh, yes. how seriously they take you know sexual assault in prison but, um, you know, it's okay, I guess, when it's uh, uh, happening, running rampant in a men's prison between uh, two, I guess, biological men. Um, but uh, if a uh, trans person is involved, then, oh, hell no, got to ramp up the hatred there. Got to warn people about what's going on in prisons, finally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost defies like a possibility of comprehension the way that trans issues as a nexus generally has just become such an overwhelming part of the conservative psyche right now. Um, the demonization, the otherness constantly that you see through it. And um, I mean, I see regularly on a daily basis, I see conservative media people say like, you know, this is the downfall of our civilization because, you know, we think it's like appropriate to like be polite to people about how they identify as themselves. And I think in a lot of cases they're serious about it. I mean, and Crowder is a really, really leading light 
when it comes to mainstreaming the acceptability of just being a complete bully to trans people. And um, any possible example, true or false, it doesn't matter. He'll pick up and use so long as he can cudgel people who are weaker than him because they don't have the same platform that he has. That's what makes him a bully. He has 5.5 million subscribers and he gets to take them out on anyone you know, who he just doesn't like on any given day. And trans people are very frequently a target of that. Right. And that's, that was his, the, the following strike, this, the, the most recent one he received that basically took him out of commission on YouTube for the rest of 2021. He got it in uh, December, which would give him a two week suspension. Um, now I, I, it was another, uh, anti-trans segment, but on this episode, he actually had two anti-trans segments. So I don't know which one gave him the strike. I mean, I watched the whole episode to try to find out. He had a segment on the J.K. Rowling uh, tweet that I honestly uh, don't even remember because, I mean, uh, what, what, you know, what hasn't she said about uh, trans people? <laughs> um, and then he did a segment on – that wasn't even a – now, this was this – was, he did a skit to open up one wow. of his final shows before Christmas, doing a parody like holiday country song, where basically he played a character who met his who ran into his ex girlfriend at his like hometown grocery store, and it turns out that she had come out as a trans man and had just transitioned. That is the joke. That is what was the crux of this like three minute music video. It was just, just listen, like we can talk about PC or whatever. And, you know, we can talk about like uh, comedy and, you know, and people can argue that, you know, if, if something could still be funny yet offend people and be non-politically correct. And, you know, that's a conversation. Fine. I, I, I understand that. But like, to those people who want to make that argument, please tell me where the funny comes in for Steven Crowder. Like, it's just like this was stuff that was like done in like the early 90s. It's so old and it wasn't even funny then. Like, if you're going to if you're going to be, you know, if you're if you're going to be a turf, if you're going to be anti trans and you're a comedian, like at least like give us like the fact that it was a well thought out funny joke. I mean, I guess, you know, at least totally. give us that. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, and we, you know, I could talk all day about how, you know, Stephen Crowder is a bully and a, and a pretty nasty person. Um, but fundamentally, the biggest takeaway I really have to get is he is just not funny. He's just not like he has stupid jokes that he mostly is stolen from other people that are just not good. And he puts skits together that, the comedy is derived from just being cruel. I don't know. Like maybe some people find that funny. I don't. And that's the kind of, you know, humor that he likes to get across on his show. He's just fundamentally not a funny person. And his jokes are out of date if they can even be called that. But I don't find bullying and cruelty towards other people to be a, you know, just comedy itself. Right. And the punchline to that uh that music video, by the way, the the joke, the the big laugh line it ends with is uh a a sing-songy lyric where uh he couldn't look his ex in the eyes when uh, he drove off. 
because he knew that the odds of his ex committing suicide were very high because they are high among the trans community. Like, that's the joke, that uh, trans people disproportionately commit suicide. You know, I guess because, hmm, I wonder why, I guess because society views them in the way they do. Uh, You know, I guess because of things like that music video Steven Crowder just put out. I mean... Well, and of course, the, the, the strike before then, the one that he received in October, was for also another so-called parody video that featured Alex Jones dressed as an angel. Right. And the punchline of that was that, you know, trans people are raping women in prison. So that's really funny, I suppose, from his show. This is the type of so-called humor that he deals with constantly. Right, and he, yeah. in that video, he he loves to cross-dress in his skits, in his segments. And now, I'm not gonna, I'm not one of those people who are gonna try to pretend it means something. I don't think that's even the, the big deal. To me, it's the fact that, like, who the fuck in 2022, uh, I mean, literally, who the fuck in the year 2000, who in 1998, thought cross-dressing was funny at that point like it's so out of date and out of touch and it's like that's the joke that steven crowder is wearing a, a dress like that's the joke i don't yeah it, it, it's not really something i can quite understand <laughs> right and and we know that like he likes to talk tough because he wears that that um that those two the the gun holsters on his that's his like new uniform and he sits every day with those gun holsters on him behind his desk and he oftentimes has one on his desk too right well you can't have yeah. enough of those right no <laughs> but he also and and here's the thing and and uh you know i need to disclose that i am connected to the uh the show that was involved in this, the majority report with Sam Cedar, um, you know, he is terrified at act to actually discuss these things with people who want to debate or discuss it from the other side. Um, as people know, uh, he was supposed to debate Sam Cedar at a Politicon event. His dad, who is his uh, his like uh, uh, manager, had the Politicon people cancel the debate. And then uh, last year, uh, with help from Ethan Klein of H3H3, Sam Cedar actually got to surprise Steven Crowder on his show. And Steven Crowder basically ran away on his own show, basically cut Sam off, wouldn't let him talk, and just hung up on them. And it's just like, uh, you know, even to his audience, who somehow finds the jokes, the jokes, I should say, quote-unquote, uh, entertaining. Even a few of them called into the majority report to say, like, he didn't. They didn't. They didn't quite understand why Crowder did that. They were looking forward to that discussion, and it's like they don't. I feel like, you know, it's unfortunate that they don't quite get it. Like they don't get what's going on here. Like they don't get that that discussion could never happen because then a discussion might change their mind. And then they might not find Crowder's joke so funny anymore. And then they might not be part of his paid membership mug mug club anymore. Like, I I wish they could understand why Crowder shuts those things down before they could even happen. Yeah, but of course, you know, Crowder might do that. But then he begins most of his shows by just, you know, showing random TikToks of like, you know, some leftist doing something and then just mocking them repeatedly for you know several minutes he has a segment that he does oftentimes behind his paywall of you know making fun of people on tiktok who are expressing their own gender or sexual identity or something like that so people who have no capacity to defend back against themselves because he's just pulling out a video and making fun of them um that's perfectly fine 
kind of don't. But actually having like an honest dialogue or something, that's off limits. Um, you know, and Crowder comes up all the time because he pretends to be a comedian and he'll say like, you know, well, the you know, the point of comedy is to like, you know, use it as a defensive posture to like go against the powerful. And like, that's the whole idea that he uses like that. I want him to explain what is possibly the power that he's fighting by just pulling up random people who post videos to their personal social media accounts and then mercilessly mocks them to his 5.5 million subscribers on YouTube. Um, he thinks that's like an act of defending against something. And I'm still kind of unable to understand what that would be. Right. I'm so glad you brought that up. And again, we're going a little bit off tangent. We'll get, we'll get back to YouTube policy. That's the next part I want to talk about, the YouTube policies themselves. But, um, and also the company and what they're, what they're doing here. But um, I noticed this a lot with conservatives, on, with TikTok specifically, and there's this, and this is probably a separate episode on its own, that libs of TikTok account that conservatives love that they find so funny here's the thing with the bashing of people on tiktok do they not realize or care that oftentimes the people they're going after are probably under age like if you watch some of those I, when I, now I'm, I'm unfamiliar with crowder segments on that but the libs of tiktok uh twitter account that pulls these tiktok videos for conservatives to laugh at I'm astounded at the fact that they put this stuff up sometimes because we're looking. I mean, I'm looking at like you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a green-haired like alt like young girl who honestly looks like she's probably like 16, 17, and here's like a uh, uh, like a 500 boomer or Gen X conservatives like mocking this poor girl, and it's yeah. just like, what Sorry, are you fine. doing, like? At least, like, do this, do this with like people on uh, uh, on social media who are clearly above the age of uh, uh, eighteen, at the very least, or at least go off to people close to your own age. But like, why are you doing this? Like, what's wrong with you? Because it's easy, and they can. I think. Like, I think. I really think there's not much more simple than that. I mean, the the singular ideology of conservatism right now is owning the libs all the time on every issue and they don't really care what they have to do to do that and crowder is a really big flagship on that whole procedure and like you know i talked like you know about how stephen crowder has a huge subscriber base which he does but it's not just that he has a lot of popularity i mean united states senators come on his show he's had presidential candidates on his show um he's an important voice in the conservative media ecosphere for worse i think um so you know, he'll go from talking to Ted Cruz for 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then, you know, making fun of, you know, a, a possible teenager who put out a TikTok video. And um, I, I think it just kind of, you know, swings back around to the fact that at his absolute core, Steven Crowder is an extreme bully. And that's really all that he is. Right. So let's let's get into YouTube a little bit um, now. I maintain this because I know uh, Crowder fans will probably come across this and be like, oh, Look at these two libs trying to censor people, no free speech. It's like, listen, I'm actually, I, I've long held the belief that, listen, if you are a platform that wants to have this kind, first of all, I think if you're a platform that believes in free speech and uh, on your platform in terms of no uh, censorship or, or moderation or no fingers on the scale here from the company, then you have to get rid of your uh, engagement 
algorithms and your algorithms that promote content because you are inherently by having that those those uh, algorithms work that way you are putting your finger on the scale that's not a free speech yeah. platform you are deciding or your uh, software or app or platform is deciding what content gets seen so Number one, on that aspect, if you want to do that, then get rid of that shit. Number two, if you want to be that platform that allows whatever kind of discussion, racist content, sexist content, anti-LGBTQ content, I mean, again, this is uh, in the United States of America, you're well within your right to do that stuff uh, as long as it follows the law and is legal. You could allow hate speech. It's not against the law to have hate speech, but own it. Own it. <clears throat> And that's the thing. I am only, when we talk about this stuff, I am only holding these companies to their own policies that yes. either A, they actually believe, or B, are doing as a PR response. Yeah. And either way, uh, that's why uh, I go after it. I could care less if Steven Crowder uh, you know, is on YouTube or not. In fact, from a selfish standpoint, no Steven Crowder means I would probably have less content to mock on this show. Um, so here's the thing. YouTube clearly knows that Crowder, I mean, it's, it's no, it's no like the, the, the last two suspensions to me were the most obvious that Crowder, well, a Crowder clearly knows how to game it in a way where things he thinks could possibly run afoul I mean, I, I personally believe, there's no proof here, but I personally believe they sort of time it that way. They time certain segments. What do you, what do you think about that? I couldn't agree more. Like I said, I have, I have no proof on this matter. It's just my speculation. But um, yeah, I, I think that there seems to be a bit of a pattern that Steven Crowder is not capable of accruing three strikes in a 90-day period of time, which he has to do to get banned, according to their own rules. And whether that's deliberately or not, I suppose is a question that's open to debate, but it certainly looks that way to me. And, and, you know, to the point that you were saying, whether or not, you know, what speech is allowed on what platforms, like whether or not it's right to have speech content on platforms or not, interesting debate, that's not what I'm concerned with. All I'm saying is that YouTube has a set of policies that they lay down that every person on their platform has to abide by, and Steven Crowder flagrantly breaks them all on a daily basis. He bullies people, which is contrary to their policies. He spreads misinformation, which is contrary to their policies. And he spreads hate speech, which is contrary to their policies. Every day he does it numerous times. And yet YouTube arbitrarily determines to sometimes give him a strike on something in particular. And oftentimes for the four strikes that he received, I was a little surprised that that was a the thing they gave him a strike on instead of the other five things that I saw him do on a given day. Um, so in terms of its deliberateness, it looks to me that way, and all I would like is to see YouTube just apply their own policies the way that they're stated equally across the board. And I think that Steven Crowder is being protected by the privilege of his 5.5 million subscribers and not being held accountable. Right. Oh, I, I just realized people who aren't we 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 under, we know what's going on. So sometimes I guess we can. I just realized we didn't lay this out for people. YouTube oh. YouTube's policies on strikes are. are is, it's incredible. So a when you break YouTube's policies, now this isn't copyright or anything like that. You can, you can like get, you know, uh, you can get content demonetized that doesn't equal a strike. You know, for example, if you show a clip from a movie and, you know, the copyright owner strikes, you know, you and tells you to take it down or they monetize your content, you're fine. You're not going to get a strike for that. 
But if you break YouTube's community guidelines with, for example, the anti-LGBTQ content, like the full-on hate speech that sometimes Crowder puts out there, um, you get a strike. And that strike comes with a one-week suspension for strike one, two-week for strike two, permanent ban from YouTube, strike three. Now, here's the thing. If you accumulate... Uh, not if you, if, So that happens if you accumulate three strikes. But here's the thing. A strike only lasts on your account for 90 days. So that means you can, throughout your YouTube career, get like 50 strikes. But if you time them correctly so that you never get more than two strikes at once, and that when you get what would be that third strike, just after that first strike expires, so strike number two then moves into the strike one category. The most recent strike, which would have been strike three, is now strike two. And Eureka, look at that. You don't have strike three. Like, it's incredible. And th th this, this, this policy also aids them in some way because if they're not on YouTube for a week or two weeks, then by that you know, measure, how can they get that third strike within that time frame? You're giving them... Free, like free, extra time to not accumulate those that third strike. Mm -hmm. and totally. I mean, and YouTube's shown that they're not afraid to, you know, ban a very big accounts that that cause problems. Um, for some reason, they've chosen not to do with Crowder. Uh, and you know, I honestly, if Stephen Crowder like just tempered his speech back entirely, and let's just assume that he like stopped being an absolute bully to trans people, that he stopped saying incredibly racist things, that he stopped spreading COVID misinformation. And like his shows were nothing more than just like, you know, workout videos and, you know, arguing about low tax rates or something like that. Then fine, like, okay, he's a conservative person on YouTube and that's totally great like that. The problem isn't with him. The problem is that YouTube allows that content to spew out into its viewers every single day. And it's incredibly toxic. Just recently, within this year, you know, Crowder is saying that people should have Omicron parties and that it's possible that, you know, the Omicron variant is, you know, uh, decreasing the death rate more than vaccines are. It just spews that out completely. And that's fine. Crowder does not get a strike for that. But he gets a strike for something else. And that's the problem with their entire system that YouTube has set up, that it's entirely arbitrary and there's no consistency to it. Do, do you think that, and I, I, my opinion is that, yes, this is part of it. Crowder is too big for YouTube mm -hmm. to get rid of. Um, I mean, look at it this way. Yes, they've demonetized him, but how does that hurt them? YouTube changed their policy over the past year where actually, even if your channel isn't monetized, um, they can show ads on your videos. So they still would make revenue whether you were monetized or not, that you just don't get your cut. Um, so they still make money off of his content, but also, like I said, he is the, the, one of the biggest political streamers on YouTube. I mean, frankly, he's probably bigger than, I mean, I, I, I probably is even the wrong word. He's assuredly bigger than like mainstream channels on YouTube. He has created a channel that perhaps is too big for YouTube to take action on, uh, due to its stature within a certain uh, specific industry that uh, YouTube gets a lot of flack about on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that assessment. Once again, that's my speculation. I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly seems to be the case that they're protecting him in some way. And um, how much longer that's going to 
continue? I don't know. I would say from my own personal sense that Crowder seems relatively resigned that one day he very well will probably get banned from YouTube. I mean, you would imagine it's just a matter of time, although I've been saying that for a year now and it hasn't happened. So I don't know, maybe he won't. Um, and he has other ways by which to continue broadcasting if that happens. And I think he's prepared for that. Um, but his content is certainly not tempered at all in response to all these strikes he's been occurring. If anything, I would say he's just continuing on exactly the way that he always has been and daring YouTube to ban him, which apparently we'll see who blinks first in this case. But uh, his channel is very big. And I could see YouTube deciding that they just don't want to do it because they don't want to deal with the hassle of banning him, but they don't want to deal with the backlash of not, you know, giving him some level of accountability. So we just have the cycle constantly going in which they'll have two strikes at any given time. You know, one of them expires, then we just keep going on and on and on and on. And um, it's really quite hypocritical and appalling that YouTube would continue to reward that type of behavior on their platform. Right. Now, now two two really quick points if you have a few minutes uh, still. Are, are you good with time? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Now, one is like, I actually think that the permanent ban on social media platforms is a sort of an outdated policy. Um, that's my own personal opinion because we've seen, you know, back in the day maybe, like how long did a platform's uh, shelf life last? So, you know, uh, a, a permanent ban wasn't the end of the world um there would always be a new platform but now we've seen you know facebook twitter youtube etc tiktok instagram are cementing themselves as the long-term plan like this is going to be probably what people are on for the i don't, I don't know who know i don't know by decades down the line but for the current generations this will be the platforms that they're on for for their lifespan um you know and if someone who got banned from youtube for this content uh, had some awakening and years down the line decided that they wanted to start, I don't know, like a book club channel, I would be fine with, you know, YouTube allowing uh, uh, someone who's banned or on Twitter, someone who's banned to, uh, to uh, do that. Um, but the idea that you would just give them um, this, this like, uh, this nine, this, this, this 90 day um, suspension is, is, is unbelievable to me when you would just like, uh, it's just so weird to me. Like, I, I just wanted to point that out that I'm someone who comes from like, yeah, there should be like restitution, like not restitution, like people should be able to show that they're like, they've changed and they want to like make something that's completely different so they don't get themselves in that same trouble. And even I think like some of those policies are too far, but then it's like when he's putting out the same content and you're just doing these slaps on the wrist, it's just like unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really care about personalities. I don't have any vendettas or anything like that. <laughs> My only concern is just with the content itself. And like I said, if Steven Crowder like had a moment and said, I'm sorry, I've been so cruel to so many people and I'm going to stop doing that. And instead we're going to have like a lighthearted comedy show and we're going to, um, you know, talk about policy issues or something. Okay. Then fine. There's, there's nothing more to do with that. Um, it's the fact that, you know, he, embodies all of this incredibly horrible, toxic elements of um, the political right right now and tells people that it's okay to feel that way. And it's okay to express things in cruel and demeaning and horrible ways. And on top of that, to spew just downright falsehoods while we're in the middle of a global pandemic. And then also, you know, last year, while we were dealing with a presidential election, that's the really problematic part of it. Um, right. So whether or not, you know, how, how you deal with like banning people or whatnot, the, the point is that if YouTube's trying to get people to temper their content, the way they're handling Steven Crowder is certainly not working.
Right, right, absolutely. And, and the final thing I wanted to bring up is, have you heard of his, I don't even know if it's still going on, but I, 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 last I heard, he was planning a lawsuit against YouTube. And uh, this is the one part of the conversation where I'll, I'll admit that Steven Crowder has a point. Um, he's suing YouTube or was suing YouTube. I'm not sure of the status of this lawsuit, but or if he even went ahead with it. He did announce he was going to sue them mm-hmm. um, over their vague policies. And, and you mentioned this earlier. We oftentimes only know the even the vague details of why Crowder is no longer streaming on YouTube for a week or two weeks because Crowder posts a screenshot of the email he receives from YouTube basically saying... You run a foul, You ran afoul of our, you know, anti-LGBTQ uh, hate speech rules. You receive a strike. I mean, again, we're talking about Steven Crowder. Like you said, you watch a show every day. You could name at least one segment a day. I'm sure that breaks those rules. Let alone uh, probably multi segments sometimes within a, a, a single show. They they are purposefully vague and. I've actually been uh, on the receiving end, and obviously I don't claim um, I, I don't claim victimization like these conservatives do. It's just this is what happens sometimes. Uh, I ran afoul of one of their like dumb policies where it's like you can't post content that you already posted on another channel on channel number two or whatever. Um, they, they have like a reposting uh, thing, so I was demonetized for like a couple months. Um, but like they didn't tell me exactly what content was what I ran aff- what what I like what broke the policy and I can see why that's a problem even for someone like Crowder. No, I don't. I'm not going to say that Crowder wants to say, uh, "Oh, I'll never." I want to know what it was so I know not to do that type of content again. But let's say there was someone who wanted to do that. They they'll never know what exactly it was that got them yeah. in trouble with YouTube. And it's like I, I I assume YouTube does it so they don't have to ever get specific about the policies and they could just vaguely say like, uh, you know, racism policy, COVID policy, LGBTQ policy without ever getting into what specifically is said or done under those policies that they don't approve of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I uh... – I mean, first of all, as a quick side note, I mean, almost like not a week goes by that I don't hear some conservative personality say they're going to file a lawsuit against some big tech company or something like that. So I have no idea if Stephen Carter is going through with that. I don't think I've heard him mention it recently. Um, maybe he has or isn't. And, um, you know, but any excuse he has to whine and complain about something that he feels aggrieved by is, you know, something he does pretty commonly. Um, but in terms of like the consistency of their policies, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and this is the basic problem that YouTube has, you know, set policies that you have to abide by to be on their platform. And if you break them, you can't be on their platform. Very simple house rules that they establish. And like one would think these are basic things like, you know, don't be a racist and don't spread COVID misinformation or stuff like that. But that's hard for Stephen Crowder to do. And so instead what happens is they decide to strike something kind of randomly and arbitrarily um, when you could see it happen many other times in any given show and they don't do it for something else. And so if they're going to have policies, you know, okay, they should be consistent. 
and at least it consistently applied. And I could understand, like from a content creator's perspective, why it would be frustrating if you feel like you don't have any clarity on exactly what those policies are at any given time, because it makes it really, really hard to produce it. So I don't want to sound like I'm sympathizing with Stephen Crowder's predicament or anything, um, but there is certainly the case that, you know, as someone who's on the opposite side of him, who's reviewing his content, um, it certainly doesn't seem very clear to me what the policies YouTube has are. Right, right. Uh, Jason Campbell of Media Matters, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, as, uh, before you go, let's let's end it on this. Um, you said you think Crowder uh, is trying to get banned from YouTube, or, or I think you said that he's expecting it. He's um, resigned to it, yeah. He's res yeah, he's resigned to it. How do you think that works out for him if he gets banned from YouTube, uh, if it actually does ever happen? And, and really quickly, my take. I think, uh, you know, if he had a smaller channel, it could probably be worth the trade-off. 5.5 million people that you can funnel, even if you can't monetize them directly, but 5.5 million subscribers that you could funnel to, like, your, like, uh, own personal website with a subscription link with, like, a sh like a PayPal button or, like, a Stripe checkout. I mean, that's a lot to give up just for that temporary PR push of YouTube, band me, everyone get behind me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, if I had to take a guess, I would say it's hard. I mean, at least limits his capacity to grow, which is something that I believe he said before. Um, I think he would survive. Um, you know, he's partnered with Blaze. He goes on Rumble. He has his own independent, you know, the independent company with a subscription service. Um, so I would imagine that like this, the business operations of it will probably continue, but it would make it hard for his business probably to grow. You know, but you know. Steven Crowder is an embodied abyss of hatred and to have any topic by which he can spew hatred on um, with a pretty large microphone, I'm pretty sure he'll find, unfortunately, a footing in today's conservative media ecosphere. Right. Is there anything you want to promote before you uh, jump off a Twitter account, an upcoming piece? And, and feel free. Uh, no, no, I appreciate you pushing the, the Steven Crowder piece I put together a little while ago. It was uh, it was interesting a little heartbreaking putting it together just like laying out the actual dates of how he's managed to evade this the whole time but you know um i could only hope that maybe you know sometime either youtube will have consistent policies or possibly steven might you know stop being such a such a bad person but in the meantime i'll i'll continue i'll continue monitoring his content and letting everyone else know what he's doing to right have have a, thanks for joining me tonight uh jason uh, have a great have a, have a great night thank you so much man i really appreciate it it's been fun take care Bye. Uh, I actually wonder what would uh, what would ha happen first. Uh, would uh, Stephen Crowder realize he's a bad person and resign to change himself, or would he realize he's unfunny and try to actually write a joke? Um, I noticed that uh, in the chat there seemed to be a few. Um, uh, Steven Crowder fans or conservatives who are sympathetic to Crowder. Uh, I want you to know that you can call into the show anytime. Unlike Crowder, I don't monitor calls. I don't have someone pick up and ask you what you're going to talk about and make sure that you're not going to give me hard questions or really like give me a hard time. This is what happens. You open up Skype, the app Skype. Um, you can do it on your phone. You can download Skype on your desktop, your laptop, whatever. Um, download Skype if you don't already have it. Type in Doomed Live. The name of this show is Doomed. Doomed Live. And you dial that. You call in. You can click just the, you can click just the, uh, the phone button. So you can just come in audio. Or if you want, 
I'll be happy to pull your video up too on this stream. I take the calls as they come in. There's no one taking them for me to send them to me to patch, patch you through to me. I literally take them the second you call in, whoever calls in first, first come, first serve. Um, and I talk to you about anything you want to talk about. I don't say, oh, I don't want to talk about that. Bye. I don't, none of that. Uh, and I'm known, by the way, for going along, giving people lots of time, uh, being you know, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that I say this, but other people have said that I'm very nice, too nice sometimes to people who call into the show. Um, I mean, I have called people uh, ignorant who have called in before, but I assure you, they said something ignorant that deserved it. Uh, but uh, call in, please. I will show you how someone who is open to discussion and his uh can can defend his positions acts and not someone who's basically bilking you of money so they can continue their circus act uh acts which is basically uh you know he's got to he's got to keep the facade don't don't check out the man behind the curtain he's not all that uh impressive to be quite frank um, folks, to support, support this show, we're going to patreon.com slash Matt Binder. That's my mug club. Patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Um, oh, let me thank the recent patron, patrons. Give me one second here. Um, patrons, I mean. Uh, the following people have supported the show since oh, I was sick last week. So I have to go a little further back. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do. Oh, all right. One second. With that addendum, if you're calling in right now, give me one minute to do the promos, and then I'll call you back in. All right? I'm accepting your Skype call. I will tell you to call back in in one sec. Um, I let you guys do my promos to end this first half of the show. Patreon.com uh, slash Matt Binder. Thank you to the recent patrons, GW, Patricia P., Jacob F, Garrett R, Cowman, and Sean Zone. Thank you so much for supporting the show. That's patreon.com slash Matt Binder. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Matt Binder. Um, you could leave a super chat, uh, which is a one-off payment. And I'll read your super chats too, by the way. Um, if you uh, drop a super chat in the YouTube live stream, if you don't want to subscribe to a monthly subscription on Patreon, Great way to do a one-off donation is via YouTube Super Chat. You could also twitch.tv slash mapbinder, subscribe, follow me there, and then subscribe if you want. If you're an Amazon Prime subscriber already, Amazon gives you a free Twitch Prime subscription every month. One free Twitch Prime subscription every month. Basically, they're giving you five free dollars that come with your Amazon Prime subscription to give to the Twitch streamer of your choice. It's basically like they're basically turning you into Robin Hood. You're taking five bucks out of Jeff Bezos' uh, pocket and slipping it into mine. No extra cost to you. Uh, make me your Twitch Prime subscription if you'd like. That's twitch.tv slash Matt Binder. Uh, doomedcast.com for the podcast version of this show. Drop an uh, uh, Apple Podcast review or wherever you listen to this show. If they have a review system, I think uh, who, Stitcher has a review or... Pod Chaser, um, leave a review. Leave a review if you can. Do the star review, the written review. 
I'd appreciate it. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? At Matt Binder on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Search Matt Binder on any social media platform. You'll find me. Uh, the Crypto Show, the cryptocurrency show I've been teasing. The first interview is in the bag, recorded, ready to go. I'm just finalizing some art and audio uh, assets for the first episode. And that first episode should be out. I, I, I feel comfortable saying within a week. And then from then on, it'll be smooth sailing because I'll have all those assets ready to go for every episode. And you'll have regular extra content, a whole extra show on cryptocurrency, by the way, which is a complete show that will be fully criti critical of cryptocurrency and NFTs and the blockchain, et cetera, et cetera, uh, coming at you multiple times a month. Um, so, yeah. Uh, for the freebie listeners, uh, I will see you next week. Remember, I do a stream on Tuesday, too, uh, and then the interview podcast show on Thursdays. Um, so uh, if you're a patron subscriber or you were watching live right now on YouTube or Twitch, you can stick around. Don't go anywhere. I'm just going to take a one-second break, and then I'll take calls, comments, questions, et cetera, et cetera. For the freebies, I will see you all next time on Doom.